Um, hello and welcome to the fourth episode in our series of podcasts, Five Questions on the Strategic Implications of Brexit for the EU. My name is Sofia Besch and today I'm joined by Agata Gostinska-Jakubowska, a research fellow here at the CER. Hi Agata. Hi Sofia. Uh, Agata, you work on EU institutions and you have thought quite a bit about what the EU Commission, the European Parliament and the Council of Ministers would look like without the UK. Um, let's jump right in with the first question. Britain has a reputation of blocking EU institutions, of voting against Commission proposals and draft legislation. If the UK were to leave, would the EU institutions finally become more unified? Not necessarily, Sophia. You're right that Britain opposes a Commission's proposals more often than any other member state. It is assessed that it's in around more than 12% of cases in a defeated minority. Okay. But it doesn't really mean, mean that if Britain left the EU, the Council of Ministers would be more cohesive. Other member states oppose uh, Commission proposals as well. It is the case with Austria or with Germany, which are other member states that find themselves at times um, in the defeated minority. So it seems to me that um, Britain's departure from the EU would not necessarily change their voting behaviour. Some member states have actually felt quite comfortable with Britain being quite vocal and opposing certain uh, proposals. Um, and if Britain left the EU, they would probably have to be more outspoken they about their... They would have their... to do it themselves. Exactly. So London's former mayor, Boris Johnson, has always argued that Brexit would make little difference to the UK's influence in the Commission because there's already so few British nationals working there. And I have a statistic here that you used in the policy brief where you say that there's only 674 Brits currently working in high-level grades in the Commission. That's and compared with... I think it's 1,331 French and 1,378 Germans. That's a huge divergence. How do you explain that? It is certainly true that uh, the number of Brits uh, working for the European Commission, but also for other European institutions, has significantly fallen in the last decade. And as you said, today there is around 674 of them. But if you compare them with other um, nationals or with the number of other nationals working in new institutions, you see that the numbers are really worrying. But I think that it is slightly unfair to say that it wouldn't make any difference if Britain left, because the country influence in the EU cannot be simply measured by numbers only. Britain has been pretty successful in spreading its priorities. Could you give a couple of examples on how the UK has influenced the Commission in the past? So first of all, if you look at the current Commission's legislative programme, you would already see that it reflects actually many of the Britain's priorities. First of all, it's much more leaner than uh, the legislative programmes in the past. And this is something that Britain has strongly argued for, that uh, the EU should legislate rather less than more. Um, Juncker has um, reorganised the uh, Commission's College, again something that Britain has been calling for. And when you also look at the, the British nationals working in the European Commission, they have actually spread some Anglo-Saxon priorities. I think uh, one of the most interesting examples is the first British Deputy Secretary, Secretary General in the Commission, Sir Christopher Oldland, 
who was the first one in the commission who came up with the written rules of procedure. Um, another example is Neil Kinnock, who was the um, Br uh, British European Commissioner. He actually uh, conducted a quite a significant uh, administrative reform of the European um, uh, Commission. He, for instance, linked the, um, uh, the pay with the employee's performance, something that we would think is quite obvious. Uh, it is for many corporations, but it wasn't uh, for the European Commission. We don't really have a precedent for this, but I'm sure that many Brits who are working in Brussels are currently thinking about it. What would happen to the British nationals that are currently working in EU institutions if the UK were to leave? I'm afraid I don't have a definite answer to this question, Sophia, because no member state has ever left the EU yet. Some Brits think, however, that they will be able to continue working in EU institutions on the basis of so-called Norwegian precedent. The EU staff regulations say EU officials must be nationals of member states unless an exception is authorized. I would assume that member states plus EU institutions would be reluctant to leave Brits in senior positions. If you were a leader of another member state, would you like to grant such an exception? I think not necessarily. So let's move on to the European Parliament. How would the removal of the British MEPs affect the strength of the main political groups? Could you give me the main examples? Yeah, so the most obvious example would be the European Conservatives and Reformist Group. Um, this is the political group that was established by the British Tories. Uh, so obviously, uh, were Britain and hence the British Tories to leave uh, the European Parliament, uh, the, this political group would be much weakened. Now, it would still exist, um, but it would be probably delegated to the fourth largest political group. Today it's the third largest one. Um, but I guess what is the most important thing is to say what is the role that the British uh, Tories uh, perform in this political group uh, today. And the Tories are usually appointed as the group's coordinators. Um, What's the group coordinator? <laughs> the, the coordinators, just to put it very simply, uh, are the ears and eyes of the political groups in individual committees. Um, they participate in shaping the agenda. Um, and it seems to me that without the Tories, uh, the European Conservatives and the Reformists would lose this important channel uh, of access to information, but also of influence. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess that it would also take a time for the next largest delegation that sits together with British Tories to fill in that gap. Okay, and is that the only political group that uh, the UK is represented in? No, no. The, the obviously, British MEPs sit in other political groups as well. We have Labour MEPs uh, that sit in socialists and democrats today we have i guess 20 meps so were britain to leave the eu this political group would be weakened but there is another political group that would probably cease to exist which one is that and this is the the group which is europe of freedom and direct democracy group, uh, the to, UKIP group. exactly yeah. to which the ukip meps uh, belong in order to form the political group you need at least 25 meps from seven member states and the group would not fulfill this, the, the criteria. Okay, and how have these British MEPs influenced the agenda of the parliament? So normally the 
MEPs, they do not really represent the interest of the member states they come from. Um, if they belong to a certain political group, um, they usually vote in accordance with the party line. Mm -hmm. With British MEPs, it is slightly different. Okay, they so? sometimes deviate from the political line. So one of the most evident examples were actually British um, MEPs from different political groups sided together uh, was the um, resolution on the tax harmonization when uh, Labour MEPs deviated from the political group's party line and joined forces with the British um, Conservatives uh, to oppose the ideas to push forward the uh, tax harmonisation. If the British people voted to leave, the UK would have to negotiate an exit agreement with the EU. How do you see the negotiations play out? Would EU institutions be helpful to Britain at all? Why would they be helpful? Brexit is often seen as a potential threat to the uh, entire European integration process. Uh, and some in Brussels have really worried that if Britain um, obtained a preferential treatment mm. um, in the withdrawal negotiations, some other member states uh, may want to go down the same path, may want to um, ask for a, similar, uh, for a similar treatment. So it seems to me that the major objective of EU institutions, but also other member states, will be to prevent the EU uh, from falling apart. Thank you very much for that, Agatha. Thanks for sitting down with me. Thank you, Sophia. It was a pleasure. Um, to our listeners, you can also listen to a previous episode in which I asked CES research fellow Camino Mortera Martinez how she thinks an EU without the UK would look like. And just to remind our listeners, the policy brief The EU Without Britain Unleashed or Undone is available on the CEA website at cea.org.uk.